Hello and welcome to another episode of our show. This podcast is brought to you by your interests, your passions, and your pursuits. If you have goals, pursue them. Find something in life that you enjoy so much that even if you fail at it, you're having the time of your life. So find that thing. And follow it all the way through, my friend. Thank you for listening. Uncut, uncensored, and unfiltered. This is an open mind. And you're listening to I'm Probably Wrong About Everything. All right, we got Randy Myers with us. That's me. The one and the only. I hope so. Otherwise, Dude, somebody's he's... doing some false identification. You'd be a hard man or a hard person to replicate. That's for sure. That's true. I've seen a couple uh, here and there. But yeah, no, no one pulls it off. People actually try to imitate you. Well, I just see people out there that have like similar aesthetics. Or um, I haven't been fortunate enough to have people dress up as being on Halloween and stuff like that. And some people have done some like pretty killer like dress ups over the years, like little kids and like older little kids. <laughs> People have dressed up as you as your your wrestling character. Yeah. yeah. What does that fit? What is that like when you see that? Uh, normally, it happens where I'll walk out to the ring, like I won't know what's happening in advance. So yeah. I'll like be doing my thing on my entrance, and then all of a sudden, I'm like looking at a mirror image me, like a funhouse version of me. So it normally like takes me back, and then obviously I'm like super touched and like try and make a connection with them at intermission or like after the show or whatever. Yeah, so it's like it's surreal. But yeah, it's fun to watch. Also, see their interpretation of me. Yeah. Uh, so that's funny to see, like, my me through their, like, their projector. Right. So so okay, okay. Explain that to me because as nobody's imitated me yet that I know of. Right. Um, I'm sure people mock me all the time, but this it's is different, man. <laughs> ah, but but I and I'm kidding. I don't think people. Well, people probably do mock me. But anyways, this is different, man. People are pay, paying like homage to you. Like these are like. Dude, these are fans, man. So, so explain that, um, that like that that feeling because you know you've created this persona, you know because this is a creation, right? Totally, this is yeah. a work of of you, and then you know you're like, I don't want to keep it to myself. I want to show the world, right? Exactly, so yeah. you've put this out there, and now people, the feedback is that people imitate you. So, so tell me what that's like, man. Yeah. <sighs> It's so like touching. It's so like I want to, if I could be, I was always, how do I say this? I was looking for someone like me growing up in wrestling, like watching wrestling and stuff like that. Somebody who was kind of, I could really identify with. There wasn't a lot. So being a person that can kind of I, be that person for other people is like what I'm here for. So if I can be like a role model to those little weirdo heroes or make them think that they can. Like, let them know they can think outside the box and be whoever they want to be. And whether that's me for a day or them for the rest of their lives, hopefully, uh, it's like, it's just so inspiring. Like, I, I, I'm speechless when it comes to it. You know what I mean? I really am. Dude, that is like the most touching thing I've heard on here in a while, man. Just the way you, you express that. Cause that was, that was, that was not. It's just really touching when they, uh, you know what I mean? Like you were, that was from the heart. I, so, I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, I spill from the heart. Like, yeah. Oh. Dude, I, 
that's why when I'm, and, and I apologize when I, I use words like dude and man all the time. And I know that as a culture, we're trying to get away from the gendered language, but really dude, man, those, those are kind of uh gender. They're, they're, what is it? Uh, they're agender terms to me. Like I use them with yeah. everybody. No, totally. I know what you mean. And I've yeah. struggled with that myself, like trying to be like, I was like, I, I've used dude a lot. Uh, yeah. I don't know. To me, it's a very fun term and it feels yeah. like, like, I don't know, just like really light and like joyful, but I can understand that it does come from like, like a, the patriarchy kind of society. Like they are both dude and man are based around male like pronouns and stuff like that, or generally yeah. male based. And yeah. I think less people are okay with being called babe and doll where those are more yeah. female. Based. Ah, that's a good point. Yeah. But I mean, I personally, I'm, 30 i'm about to turn 39 so i've been like dealing with hmm. i've been i've had a lot of been called a lot of names and dude and man when they come from a place that i know is not like negative or it's coming uh, i i come from a gym atmosphere i come from a wrestling atmosphere right i've been, right, called, right, I've been right. called man and i've been called a lot worse so i'll take those <laughs> what well th- well thank you for my uh uh i just you know what okay I, I obviously have like attention things going on because you'll notice I'm all over the place. So my apologies again, no which worries. is also very Canadian is the amount of times I apologize. Well, yeah, but, mixed with yeah, being Canadian, it means a lot of stories. <laughs> you know what I love is when people are like, I go to the States and people are like, where are you from? I'm like, or, you know, anywhere in the world, where are you from? I'm like, oh, I'm from Canada. And they're like, oh, that's really cool, eh? And it's like, that's not how we fucking say it, man. Like, we never end our sentences with A. We'll be like, there I was, eh? And I I didn't know what to do. But when exactly. it's funny when we yeah. Stereotypes are so funny how again it's like through their own perspective of it, you know what I mean? Or how they've seen it imitated yeah. or yeah, mocked, as it were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now what I wanted to go back to was you were talking about that you didn't have these wrestlers, these uh, people to look up to when you were growing up and that you wanted to be that thing. So tell us, tell me what that, what that thing was. I mean, I get a sense of it, but again, my interpretation, I want to hear yours. For sure. Um, I would say that like, like wrestling is such a great circus where you can be whatever you want to be. And there's so much room to be whoever you want to be. Yet I felt it was still people were in a box and um, there was like a lot of showing of physical pain, but not kind of showing of emotional pain or kind of like the layers that go beneath that. Uh, maybe what might cause you to want to cause other people physical pain or be willing to take on the physical pain yourself. So kind of like those layers of talking about mental health stuff talking about maybe why we might want to be these wild, crazy characters, why we might be willing to be thrown off a cage, why we might want to throw someone else off a cage, um, dealing with that, dealing with gender stuff as well, yeah. not necessarily being the most macho man, as it were. You know what I mean? Being a character that, or being yourself and being allowed to be open about that but then also not being the heel or the bad guy character or yes. you know yeah, yeah. because uh, you're you're open. not weaker yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think you're that like i see it as a strength to be kind of open about yourself and the vulnerability actually builds strength so kind of those vulnerable characters someone who um 
was that wild, like, untamed beast, but then was also willing to talk about why they were that wild, untamed beast. And also, just wrestling is such a... You can be so wild, but it's done in such a safe way. There's such mm-hmm. a, like... there To me, it's, like, such a thick form of art therapy um, that's kind of going without going by without being noticed for what it is. Um, it's a place where like you can play with those toxic masculine roles. You can play with good versus evil. You can write a story where good can triumph. You know what I mean? Uh, against things that are very realistic within the world. Um, so just kind of, I wanted to take that, take advantage of that place and then see how far I could kind of turn myself up to 11 within those places and then kind of break some boundaries along the way. Long explanation. I, I, we are all about long explanations here. Good. That's, good. that's, that's the name of the game, my friend. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Then I don't feel bad. I don't, yeah. Don't feel bad. I mean, okay. I, yeah. I, Cause I'm just like listening to this and, and a growing up. So maybe we, if you're okay talking about these things, but it sounds like you and I perhaps, uh, we had similar upbringings. I mean, I came, my dad passed away when I was 14 and that's a very vital time in an individual's understanding of themselves, such as what is masculinity was, what is femininity, you know, and, and how do you navigate those things? And when that happened, I became very stoic, meaning that, you know, to talk about your and, and actually, the interesting thing is, before my dad passed, one of the films, my favorite films of the time that I watched, right when that happened in 2004, was this movie called The Punisher with Tom Jane. Did you ever see that one? I don't know if I, no, I don't know if I did see that one. Dude, taught, like, great film, but it warped my understandings of the world because now this thing happens and Child, I, I, I work with children. I'm a, a registered clinical counselor. And thank and, you. <laughs> oh, man, dude, my thank you, man. I appreciate that. That I felt that when you said thank you. And and I just I realized I'm like, there's so many like kids. Kids need to be loved, obviously. But you know what else they need is to be liked. For sure. Yeah, no, that's right. Great. Yeah. And and it's like when you know their references and things like that, they perk up when you're like, not when you, again, it, it's all in how you you know it, right? Because you see the adults do the Fortnite dance and it's like, oh my God, like stop, yeah. right? This is cringy. But when you actually talk about these things and you're like, man, you know, I used to play Minecraft or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, this guy's for real, right? He's not. You can engage them on their level or like not even their level, but just something that really interests them, right? Right. And, and that's what I realized kids need because when my things were happening, I realized I was like, I was, I was going through this alone. That's how I felt. Of course there were people there and they were doing their best, but I did feel alone. And that's a feeling that, Oh man, I don't want anybody to ever feel right. No, for sure. I, I can, yeah, I can only imagine your own personal struggles with that stuff. I, yeah, my father, like my mother and father got divorced when I was four years old. Um, And then he was still kind of in and out of my life till I was about 10 years old. And then we had like, like a fight about something frivolous or whatever. And then he kind of put it in my hands, whether I wanted to see him or not see him, which was really heavy at like 10 years old. I think 
he was kind of trying to see it as like giving me yeah. the like trying to do the right thing. Maybe I don't know, but it was just felt like I needed actually being ten. It wasn't the right age for that, so I kind of didn't see him for a long time, and still haven't talked to him in a lot of years now. Um, so I kind of suffered a loss of my father, kind of almost twice, almost in the way that he, the divorce was a big hit, and then also. Yeah at 10 when I didn't see him anymore. My mom's best friend was kind of a surrogate father for me, who was like this fantastic gay male who was like, like also my best friend. Uh, and so he filled that role really well of a, like a father and someone who liked me, who had like, would be interested in the things I was interested, would encourage my ridiculous behavior <laughs> and then he passed away from age when I was 12 years old so again well that was like a different form of masculine masculinity I had kind of um, both of my kind of my straight male father and then my gay male father um, kind of away from me at the same time which left me feeling kind of very alone yeah. too so well I mean, you, you've you've touched on the people that have made this great impact on you, and uh, and it doesn't always have to be familial. You know what I mean? Like to me, friendships are family because I, you know, the way that things are in life, you can be estranged from your family, and that not necessarily be the intent, of course. Mm -hmm. But then you know, I I was I struggled to reach out. Right. I, I mean, we're all just doing there's a choice in life. And my choice is that I want to believe that everybody's just doing their personal best. Right. Agreed. And when you when you look at life that way, dude, man, it, it's sunny. All the it's always sunny in Philadelphia. When you yeah, yeah, yeah. Way, right? I, I agree. I agree. You know, like we, it's all our personal experiences and everything that we that's been put into our body thus far. And our minds and our hearts that kind of lead to where we're at at this moment, right? So I hope you're okay. If 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 at any point you're like, we, we can go back to another time or pass or anything, you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. But, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, yeah. But for some people, it's like it's tough to get into these things and, and they don't always know that they're getting into that, right? So I'm just letting you know that, you know. For sure, yeah, no. Um, but with your dad, because I've often thought about this, like, I'm not trying to make excuses. Again, my, my goal in life is to understand, right. Mm. You know, I try to suspend judgment as best as I can, but I suck at that. But anyways, my goal in life is to try and understand people. Now with your dad, I can't imagine what his upbringing was like. And, you know, like, like a 10 year old, like, you know, he's got to learn to be a, a man, right. Yeah. Um, such harsh words coming from any can be harsh words coming from any, anybody, you know, like be a man, like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Anyways, but your dad, he was, he has his experiences. You had yours, but you're, you're changing it. You're like breaking the cycle. Yeah, right? well, definitely. I don't want to, I don't, I, he definitely, yeah, like, I, the stories he told me were horrific from his childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah, like definitely he had the same thing, fractured fatherhood, um, stepfathers, 
fathers that weren't part of his life, somebody this time, somebody else this time, you know what I mean? All sorts of different male influences, but none that really, really stuck with them. And lots of tragedy that came with his upbringing. So, and I don't fault him, you know, I don't. Yeah. The choices that we made or whatever, and the choices that I've also made to not reach out at this point, you know, I'm a grown adult, yeah. you know what I mean? But I, I think there's something there just... We talk about generations and, 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 and generational trauma, generational healing, um, you know, a, a very important issue in, in indigenous relations and healing and, you know, societal in general. They say, I think it's eight generations, but I'm also wondering if the third generation is the turning point, right? And let me explain is that. Okay, so I'll I'll kind of share my backstory. My great-grandfather was killed in World War II. He died in Dieppe. And I can't imagine my grandmother getting that news. Right? Yeah. And it being Remembrance Day, I, I, I was bawling today because I'm seeing things on a much different light. Anyways, she was a she was a daddy's girl, right? Mm. You know, and dad leaving for World War II. He'd been to World War One. He'd been in between, wow. you know, and I imagine I played in my head the scene of, you know, I'll be home, sweetie. She's like, okay, dad. And then getting the news that he had passed and in that moment, changing completely. For sure. Right? Being, uh, that would be shattering. And then the weight that that carries, she has children right? How that transfers thinking about her experiences, you know, again, my grandmother's not here. I can't speak for her, but I'm imagining. And then, you know, having me and I would always be playing with like action things and like, and, and just her seeing that and being like, I don't know if this little guy's ever going to understand how much this hurts me to see this. You know, and then now I have kids of my own and I think about Remembrance Day and I think about that. And I'm like, oh, man, I can change here. I can instead of not telling people and assuming that they know or whatever, or just being pissed off at them. I can tell people how I feel and I can try to understand people. And when you do that, man, you, you, can, you can feel the healing in your heart. Totally. But I think that the third generation is that. You know, do I, because not to make excuses, but it's like, I can either try to heal myself or I can be carried by whatever this is. And nobody can blame you for that because it's heavy, right? No, for sure. Existence oh. is heavy. <laughs> for sure. It's almost yeah. like a, like a, a bomb blast. You know what I mean? Like the ones that are the closest to the, to the tragedy of our yes. strongest. And then they're like, I mean, obviously, I guess people further away with radiation poisoning doesn't really they can't hear <laughs> that but it yeah. affects them less and they you might have the option they might be able to live a longer life right and a happier life yeah yeah well I, and, and and that 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 goes into the ecosystems right i mean like you you talk about radiation i mean when people self-destruct there's a like you say there's a blast radius and then there's even further out the aftershock and things like that and and that's why what I wanted to also talk about is this decision to put yourself out there and get into performing arts. 
Oh and that's God. something that you did. Like, what? Tell me about when you decided you're like, you know, fuck, I'm not. I want to express myself. Like, I want to take this, this pain, this hurt, and I want to express it in a healthy way. I think before, like, the first time was I was three years old. The song came on at the pizza shop, and I started dancing around, and I got free pizza. And I was like, wait a second. Uh, free pizza for me? Cute and dancing around, and I'm on to something. So I, I was like, from a young age, I was like kind of hooked into performing. Mm-hmm. And then like, I've, I've always done it. And then kind of through the years, I've been able to realize like how to insert my like more making it more therapeutic for myself and making it more richer for myself as an experience, not only to get out there and get people cheer or yeah. get a great reaction or a like a positive reaction from from other people, but also going out there and doing something that's worthwhile and that I can like hang my hat on and or my wig or whatever I'm hanging on it. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and be proud of at the end of the day, that's like, again, kind of like performing for that child that needed that. You know what I mean? Like be in the audience of my performances and be what that kid needs. You know Yeah. And you know, like, ah, man, I, I, I know that feel like as a teacher, um, it, like when kids tell you things, it's like, well, like, dude, I taught grade four and I had this class like for the whole year and I did not know WTF I was doing, right? Like we'd be doing math lessons and I'm like, cause I, I was in, I was, I struggled in school. Like I thought I was an idiot. Right? And I was like, oh, hold on. Anyways, but people who struggle in school, they actually can be excellent teachers because they know what it feels like to struggle in school. Right. Yeah. And uh, anyways, at the end of this year of teaching grade four, I told these kids, I was like, yeah, so, you know, uh, it's been a great year. And like four boys were crying, dude, it was the most powerful moment in my, like one of the most powerful moments in my life because I don't know how to, verbalize this but it was like the greatest relationship is when it's not asymmetrical and it's like i learned from them right because this is before i had kids and before i really had my shit together and it was just like dude it was it was touching yeah for sure and then i cried after (laughs) right i bawled like like man i i i call them man tears that's me trying to put but you know what it's just dude i weep i cry i have ugly tears (laughs) I like to call it sweat from the eyes sometimes, you know? Sweat, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that sweat is like an endurance. Yeah. So, um, but 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 now I've gotten into performing, into doing, you know, stand-up. And this is where I, I, I want to, you know, did you ever in high school and elementary school, people say, you know, like, why are you doing it? Like, were you ever discouraged? Oh, Daily, yeah, for yeah. sure. From like from the outside or from the inside? Uh, well, I imagine the inside hurt more for sure, and that probably originally starts on the outside and then works its way in, right? Know. Sorry, yeah. sorry, the outside being like people do, yeah, like you know, what why are you doing this, Myers? You know, I've been like people have been really encouraging, uh, for me, like I, I. It's, I guess, just I've been very great, like honored and grateful for who I've yeah. been and for where I think people have seen that, that, like, that this, that I'm 
not that I'm good at it, but that this is like what I'm here for, kind of. So it hasn't been that just like no one's been. My mother's super encouraging, which I think is really important to have somebody that's kind of always got your back and you know supports you and like believes in you. So yeah, she's always let me be whoever ever I want to be and encouraged me to be as much as possible too. So whether it would be in wrestling or stand up or improv or sketch or whatever kind of performances I've been part of, she's been always there right on my side. So that's been really helpful. Um, yes, no, not too much from like, I would say that people have been encouraging. It's just kind of been like societal stuff. Do you know what I mean? Where it feels like almost ah, yeah, yeah. not people per se, like wagging their finger at me, but just kind of the overall pressure of society to kind of fit in and to yeah. kind of match norms and stuff like that. Growing up in Calgary was like very mm. much a part of that and kind of really shaped me to kind of like being bisexual and growing up in Calgary. It was really easy for me to just put, put my side away, you know, like my yeah. gay side away and just be focused on my straight side and just talk about ladies. Cause I like ladies. I got no qualms with ladies. Um, and then not talk about other things, you know what I mean? Not talk about how maybe I like what that lady's wearing or whatever and want to wear it. Not just because I think it looks good on her. It might look even better on me. Um, but yeah, just I, so there was a bit of like that, I would say. Moving right. to Vancouver gave me more room to grow. So kind of like the cultural zeitgeist of, I mean, Calgary, I, I, I don't think it's known for its gay community. No, right? definitely not. It definitely has a very more conservative or whatever. Yeah, no, definitely. If you want to use that term, totally. Yeah. And the people that I was raised around, like my mom's friends, were all they were kind of transplants from different places. But I, I always find it kind of strange because they would come from a lot of them were from Saskatchewan or from like PEI, so further out east, where it's even more conservative or whatever. Like, yeah. not necessarily as accepting. So they would they made their way to Calgary, and then I was like, well. Oh, just like one more province, you would have been <laughs> a little better off. But yeah, so they were all, there was definitely a lot of, within the community, they were proud, but mm. they were all also, now they're in their 70s, so it was really not, they weren't okay to be open. Like they were, my mom had her mailbox raided by the by like the Canadian feds because they thought there might be like gay pornography hiding in it because she knew. And gay. there was the association of, uh, homosexuality and pedophilia. Like, like that's the, the stereotype, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. all sorts of like just ways to like make anything. Seems like anything that Which they is want. Completely to make fictitious, negative. just for yeah. the record. Yes. Anything yeah. they want to make negative is attached to pedophilia because we all know that that's the worst. And if you want to be like, I don't know if I like them or not. They're pedophiles. Well, I hate yeah. them now. <laughs> I, I I heard this guy on uh, social media. His name's Trent. Big beard. I'll send yeah. you the thing. But anyways, he's like, there's two things that are that are completely horrendous in this world. One is an actual pedophile, right? And then the other one is somebody who says somebody's a pedophile but isn't. Totally. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, you you're going to have a – From the real ones, right? Like it just – if we're not yeah. – if we're like – if we're investigating all this stuff and finding all these like false leads and stuff like that, then the real ones are going to go underneath – Right. Well, here's here's the other thing. I mean, like, uh, there was another question I was going to ask you, but like, 
these conservative types to use that word like what why are they so afraid of homosexuality and here's my theory okay so the bible i hate to say this i'm a kind of an anti-religious person but anyways uh homosexual why why is homosexuality deemed punishable by death why do you think in the bible it's only mentioned once wasn't it like the waste of seed or something like that exactly they want they need more believers they need more children yeah yeah (laughs) right so that's why they would make something illegal and then it's the same why in the hebrew testament the old testament they said that pork you can't eat pork that that's an unclean animal because it spoils fast because they lived in the fucking tropics right yeah there's a utility to or there, there's a there's a utilitarian explanation sure. yeah, there's right, a for these why. things yeah but people but but then it goes it spans it goes so long that people forget the reason why and they just think it's bad because it's they're said it's bad exactly but that's well, fear no, i think it's, it's fear twisted over years right what, what why do you think that homophobia I mean, perhaps the name, the answer's in the name. But anyways, why, why, why do you think people have such a hard time? Because I, I think sexuality is a spectrum. And I think that that's probably a thing that, like, most dudes have popped a bone or two, another dude at one point or another. I love Channing Tatum, man. I love Channing Tatum. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, I mean, how many... That's why I can't watch Magic Mike. Exactly. How many... How many cis males are going to want to watch not jacked sports people. You know what I mean? They want these people to be attractive as possible. They want them to be like these superheroes. Just, I think everyone's on the spectrum. So I think people, people that see it as have been taught that it's a bad thing are Mm -hmm. scared of that within themselves, maybe. And then when they see other people, maybe being allowed to do that, either maybe there's jealousy, there's that I wish I could be that open, or there's also like, I was taught that was bad. So that's bad. I have those urges too, and I don't t- go near them, and they're bad. So I'm not saying everyone's super gay. I'm just saying it's like, uh, you know, it's a spectrum, right? And I think, I think it's yeah. I think that scares people. You know, I think the people who are the most, I think the people that have the best gaydar are homophobes, and then and then gay people, right? Like, how do they? How do you like? I got picked out for being gay before i even realized i was gay and i'm like how did these bullies know i was gay before i realized i was gay you know like because they i don't know so that's my sense but i don't know like your podcast i'm probably wrong (laughs) well i mean that's why we ask these questions because we're we're not in i okay i'm gonna make a blanket statement here and correct anything i say just like rob you're full of shit if you don't agree please i encourage you to um but in our society, I think we're so afraid of getting it wrong because mm. we're, we're under constant surveillance. Totally. Right? We, we are. I mean, it's not necessarily Big Brother. It's your fucking neighbor, right? Yeah. And, and they think like, oh, man, what an idiot. Like, he's posting that. Yeah. And that's why, dude, you're fearless, man. You know what I mean? Like, you're fucking you're fearless, Randy. Like, that's dope. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're untouchable, Right? <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> man! Like, I want everybody who listens to this. I got friends that are diehard wrestlers. Sweet. And uh, you know what, my buddies and I do whenever we get hammered, we fucking wrestle. Yes. Yeah, for sure. 
Which hey, if there's ever tryouts for wrestling, I, I like I would like to try because I'm pretty good. Cool, yeah. I'm not as good as you. I'm shitty, but anyways. But but here's the thing, I enjoy it. That's what boom. it's all about. Yeah, boom. But yeah. that's what you figured out. And is that not what has made you untouchable? Is the fact that you enjoy every fucking minute of it? That's what like I like being from Calgary. I was fortunate enough to be like trained by like the Hearts and stuff like that. Like trained in the dungeon and stuff like that. Look at those eyes pop. Um, yeah. But yeah, like so like I only had a little bit of like like interaction with Stu where like he was like directly teaching or whatever. But like yeah. the one thing he said was like to make sure that I was having fun. That if I'm not having fun, like what am I doing there? Because and I took away that if I'm hurting myself or like putting that myself in jeopardy and I'm not having fun. That seems really foolish, you know what I mean? So, yeah, always try and have fun. And remember that why I got into this. I didn't get into wrestling to not be having fun or not get into performing in general to not be having fun doing it. So bring that joy, bring that childhood joy again back on the stage and whatever I can do. Well, it's like it's like Saturday Night Live. Like when I watch that, I'm like, sometimes I'm like, this is not funny at all. But these guys are having so much fun. Totally. At least yeah, it looks like they're having fun. That's and a like, this is right? Yeah. And 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 I think there's a key there because again, correct me if I'm wrong, but we live in this hustle culture, like you know, you you gotta sell shit that people don't need, right? You gotta make a dollar. And and like I haven't, I mean, I, I people have helped me out along the way, but I mean really that's just been to buy equipment because otherwise this is very expensive. But anyways, I haven't really made any money out of this. But guess what? I'm having the time of my life. But there are times when I'm like, shit, I'm not making – do you know what I, like, like that seed gets through – it gets through the filter sometimes. Definitely. But you, you – your key is, is that you don't care about the money. You're just enjoying every minute of it. And last Sunday, I was up at uh, 12 Kings, and I fucking bombed. But guess what? I was the happiest – person in there man i was like i don't give a shit because i did it good for you that's but tell me about that i mean how young were you when you had that feeling that you're like i don't care how shitty that performance was i fucking did it i think it was it probably like i'm not and i was never an athlete growing up i was always like, like lean to the dramatic side and like theater and stuff like that so i would actually write essays rather than doing gym class because i refused to participate in them so I would write essays on sport so that I could pass gym class rather than participating in the sports themselves. Cause I just, yeah. I got duck feet, man. I know where you're coming from. I got duck feet. I had just anxiety. And this whole like competition thing was like, I couldn't like get like, I, I didn't want to win. Cause then I would be like, yay, I won. And then someone else would feel bad cause I won. And then if I lost, then I would feel bad cause I lost. And I'm like, I'm never feeling good. This isn't fun. So I was never athletic. So when I decided wrestling was the thing for me, um, it was after a breakup in high school and I was like super, super emo about it and wanting to self-harm. You know what I mean? Wanting to like find ways to, and then I kind of was like, somehow the light bulb came on that that, like wrestling, I could get that same release from like putting myself at risk but also doing it in maybe like a healthy way where it was like an artistic form rather than having, you know, having scars I was trying to hide rather than scars I could show the world and get appreciated. I couldn't explain my emotional pain, but I could show people my physical pain and get them to understand that. 
So that was when I was like, you know what? I'm going out there and because it's therapeutic, because I'm, because I knew I wasn't an athlete, I was ready to go out there and not be good. Cause I'm like, I know I'm not like, if I can do anything athletic, it's so far from anything I've ever done before that my bar was set so <laughs> incredibly low. Yeah. And also the idea of not being competitive, you know, mm. like the idea that I, you know what, if I go out there and learn how to take these moves, I don't even need to be the aggressor. I can just be the one who tonight I just showcased my uh, opponent, making them look like a million bucks by getting thrown around the ring. I, I know like there's the consent about what moves I'm going to be taking and how the story's going to go. And so there's not really that same thing about the winner and loser kind of negatives and positives, positives. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, it's a performance. Yeah. So then I, that was kind of when I was like, Oh, there's it, just being that it's so different than sport. It just like, you almost can't in wrestling. You can almost, as long as you do the moves properly and no one gets hurt. If yeah. you look like an ass, that's fantastic. Uh, so there's so much room for that, that like, I just knew I had a lot of energy and I could go out there and kind of give that. And, and I wasn't too scared for whatever reason. Um, and that made it so much easier to like bomb on the stage stand up wise. Cause now I know my biggest fear in wrestling is maybe hurting myself or hurting someone else. Mm. If I fought, if I fuck up, but if I, fuck up on a stand-up stage no one gets hurt you know what i yeah, mean yeah. no chance so like like you said i've had nights where i bomb and i'm like well like that wasn't my best show but like nobody got hurt you know what right. i mean like that to me is so relieving um yeah yeah so yeah because whatever who cares fuck it go out there yeah. show your ass people love it but 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 great point i mean you say who cares right but the, the other thing is, why do people care so much? I think you said, I think it is that seed from somewhere else. You know what I mean? That like, sometimes I think that like, I don't have the embarrassment button that's supposed to be there. Like I've kind of, I don't know. It's not a, that attached to my ego or something. Like I don't, I don't know. Mm. It just doesn't feel like it, it affects me that much. Like, um, I don't know. It's just, if you like, to me, cool is like, Treating everyone with respect while not giving a fuck what anyone thinks. That's so a it's great, like great definition. You were, but you, it, it cut out at a really good point. You're talking about um, being cool, I think, mm. and you're like, it's not giving, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, caring, not, like it's being respectful but not giving a fuck what people think. Is what exactly, yeah, like. So, like, treat people, everyone with respect, but not give a fuck what they think about you. And like, I mean, that's obviously easier said than done. It sounds cute, and it's a nice little tweet. But, I mean, living that life is a lot harder. But it's a good thing that brings me back to, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We love the people who are just comfortable in their own skin and, like, putting it out there and showing their vulnerability and, and being authentic. We, like, we're drawn to those people. And getting in our we get in our own way so much of that to like not be our truest and most authentic stuff ourselves because of mm -hmm. this that or the other that if like the more often we can present that the more often others will present that them that version of themselves right. to us and then we can make these great connections so yeah and 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 i think for myself i mean it's like every day i'm i'm learning something new right there's a difference between being educated and having an education and yes i have an education but damn, I'm not done getting educated. 
Totally. I have no education and I'm aware I'm an idiot and I'm learning every day. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you know what, though? I think Mark Twain said, you know, you go to school for so many years and it takes the rest of your life to get uneducated or something like that. Meaning that going to school isn't necessarily the an- the answer, right? You know, I've learned a lot of that. Like I had real trouble with social studies. That was the main thing that held me back. Um, and now looking at where we stand with Canadian history, the way it was told to us in schools, as opposed to the way it was maybe the more realistic way it was. Um, I'm glad I wasn't able to recite the diatribe because it wasn't the truth. And I'm glad I didn't have to unprogram that from within myself. Cause I was like, you know what, this feels like bullshit. And then I was like, I, and my, that's where like having a parent that was understanding was so important like, and so huge in my life because I could be like, mom. I feel this is bullshit. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you that it's not. And yeah. then, so she would understand when I'd come back with barely passing grades, right. uh, you know, and, or, and so she got it. And, and I'm, I'm proud about being taught how to think as opposed to how to recite. And I think that's important. And, and a gift that I was fortunate enough to be given and by people around me, by encouraging my own like offbeat brand. <laughs> Right. What and, and and that's a good uh a good point that you made that, you know, there's there's the route, the things that we just resuscitate, and then there's the abstract abstractively understanding them. Yeah, for sure. Right? And and you picked that skill up, it sounds like, through your your relationships. Like it sounds like you had some excellent connections growing up. Um for sure. I did, yeah. With you with your mom. It sounds like you got you have an excellent connection with your mom. I definitely do. Yeah, no, for sure. She was very, like I said, encouraging. And then like I've had other people that were like, like my godfather was very influential in my life. Uh, a former, uh, like a pastor of mine or preacher. I don't, I don't know what they call themselves, but like one yeah. of those people that wears the white thing, you know, and rubbed your forehead with oil. Oh, he, oh, he's Catholic. Uh, um, Anglican. Anglican. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But yeah, so he was a big influence on my life too. So there were these like fantastic outside the box thinkers uh, that I was able to be raised around and yeah, influenced by. So I'm definitely a combination of their, you can definitely see their fingers in the mixing pot. So who would you say are your two biggest influences first in your family and then outside of your family? Now, I think I know who they are. I think you've mentioned them already, but just for the record. So I would say that like, like my mom definitely for sure within my family she was the one like she's the uh, fuchsia colored sheep in the family I guess you would say like she's definitely the one that uh, she was a drummer so she beats her own to her own drum and has always been herself and like unflinchingly herself which is really cool um, even when it's caused her a lot of pain but still brought her a lot of joy uh, outside of it I would say that like. There's a lot of people like um, Craig, who is my mom's friend who passed away from AIDS, was definitely a huge influence on that. But then, like, honestly, I'm going to have to say, like, as it, I would say uh, Mick Foley, uh, Mankind, the professional wrestler. Uh, dude, I yeah, love he, that guy. Dude, love. Mankind was my favorite iteration. You just said, dude, I love that guy, which is like so unintentionally <laughs> funny. Uh, 
<laughs> but when he did the hell in the cell with the undertaker right yeah like that he, match he he's so special like yeah like, like I, I and he loved it do you know what i mean <laughs> like he he was like like your love that you're talking like he did not do it for the money no he, and, but he got paid very well of course but and i'm glad he did because he needs it now for his children and for yeah. his health uh, you know medical bills and such yeah. um but just like there was he this put his life on the line yeah totally this purity when he would perform um this sincerity this lack of masculinity in the most masculine way he was mm-hmm. like punk rock without realizing he's punk rock like so like in the face of authority always kind of doing things like when he won the title and he grabs the microphone and he says that like he get, he dedicates it to his children at home and and says like your daddy o did it that's not something that um wrestlers do you know what i mean that's yeah. not like the bravado over the top totally they never awesome. break character a lot of no I and mean, he was so sincere with everything and told authenticity and showed the, that first time of the person who was you know struggled with their mental health even though it wasn't necessarily being said that way but struggled with being bullied in school struggled with knowing who they were and were able to find it through wrestling and through being you know, finding that physical pain in the ring and being able to emote that way rather than emote their emotional pain. And I found, I feel that that's, I still feel he's like the strongest version of that on the mainstream media wrestling forums, like wherever you could see wrestling, he's the version of the tortured artist. Right. You know, he's like the comparison to between like a Van Gogh and him with a missing ear. Like there's just so many, like it just feels to me like such a, such an amazing person and then does work for such great charity work and is such a like, authentic good person that plays this crazy the most over-the-top character i've ever seen in the ring snorting like a pig pulling their hair out smashing their knee with a fork and then is the kindest sweetest soul outside of the ring so i think having that outlet to be that wild gives him the ability to have been that sweet and that to me is like what I need because I'm I'm a feral I'm a feral cat and I need that place to be wild and to get that energy out that's safe and not going to hurt anyone and I can be in a ring where the other person's consented to it and everyone else is far enough away that they aren't going to get hurt but they can enjoy the spectacle so I yeah I wouldn't and then I've got to work with Mick as well and he's everything I wanted him to be so like you got to work with Mick Foley yeah I gotta like he was a special for a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did like we did soccer at the same time on like no way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Bro. Oh man. Yeah. And just Randy, as, that is wicked, dude. He's as sweet as what you was that like? Did, like like you might man how did you not sweat through the eyes? Oh I <laughs> I was. I didn't yeah. care. <laughs> I totally yeah, was. Yeah. Um it was yeah it man, was man that is so fucking crazy. You worked with your idol. Yep. And, and he was still you, like, you know how they say you never meet your heroes. Yeah. You made a fucking hero. Yeah. And I, my thing on that and my caveat is that is like, don't meet your heroes uh, unless they're Mick Foley because he's the best. <laughs> Although I will say this, I met the lead singer of Disturbed and I love heavy metal music. I mean, you know, that was my catharsis was yeah. metal and he was the real deal, dude. Sweet. Yeah. Because awesome. I was... Yeah, and it was so cool. I mean, I I didn't, but I just I told him I, he was at a restaurant with his wife, and I was like, 
he he was like he had to sit at the bar and he's like nobody knows who I he was on the cell phone with his friend he's like oh, I'm at this bar and they wouldn't get me a table so I got to sit at the bar because nobody knows who a rock star is oh, you know, whatever right and then uh, and then afterwards I was like okay sweetie uh, to my to my wife I was like Jen I got I got to go to the washroom she's like no sorry I'm lying she's like Rob I got to go to the washroom right but she says to me just don't fanboy him. Right? <laughs> And I fucking did. I fanboyed him hard. And I walked up to him. I was like, hey, man, I just want to say your records. I have every single one and they changed my life. And he was like, they helped me become a better person. And, and he was like, thank you, brother. Like, it was the coolest thing. Because he could have been like, oh, fuck off, right? He was like, thank you, brother. And he, like, she shook my hand. And I was like, I'm so sorry to interrupt your dinner with your, your partner here. Uh, with your, I said your girlfriend. He's like girlfriend. This is my wife, and I was like, you know, because when you meet these your 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 heroes, you're like, oh, I don't know what to say. Totally. And uh, and then his wife is like, oh, get a picture with him. I'll take a picture. And anyways, it was it was the coolest thing ever. But awesome. but your story, you worked with them. No, so. but like that just shows like I don't know. I think we really can pick it with them. You know what I mean? Like, I think. I think that's so much of it is like if you see this person who portrays a jerk on every form of media and that's what they're selling and then you're like, but when I they're my hero, ah, them. they're yeah. gonna be awesome. No, of course they're not. Like yeah. I think yeah. when like I've had the MO is to be a dick. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. you wouldn't almost want them to be off brand. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So hey like man, thanks a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a hard act and yeah, no. So yeah, uh, I so yeah, but like working with him, I gotta also be on the road with him for one of his comedy tours and like be his little chauffeur. Like I didn't get a hat, but I wish I did. Uh, so gotta spend time with him on the road and like, yeah, he's just everything you could wish. And like, it just shows that really these things can happen. You know what I mean? Like they really, really, if your heart's set in it, you know, um, mm -hmm. you can make it. You can make these things happen and just never give up. You know and like belief and it's not going to happen for everyone obviously unfortunately but like i mean i don't know just keep at it i think though that in your pursuits they they've never been unrealistic mm. you know what i mean like it's you're not like a young kid saying uh i want to be jeff bezos or yeah. something you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> sorry i always pick on jeff bezos but that's okay i don't mind yeah <laughs> but but you you wanted to be you yeah, and then and then that just was a byproduct that you met Mick Foley versus I want to be so and so. Well, it's like well that person's already been done, but you invented yourself. Oh, I would fail totally. I fail at being myself a lot of the times. So I totally I, fail me at too. being anyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. How do okay? So let's let's talk about that for a sec. Me mental health is is a big part of your story and who you are. Um, outside of wrestling or is it wrestling that really helps you deal with the internal things? There's a lot of things like it is a daily struggle that involves like lots of different pieces that kind of make it like having my like diet fine tune is really a big part of it for me. Like um, getting physical activity. Like I said, I feel like I have a, like I'm like an energizer bunny or I have all this energy inside me. And if I don't get it out a proper way, it becomes like negative. Mm -hmm. So I have to like lots of time at the gym. So being a personal trainer helps kind of me pass along that energy and keeps me active all day as well. So kind of like almost shaping my life around different things that are therapeutic for me. 
Um, so it's almost like full day therapy, but it's like um, I'm able to still make a little bit of money off it and live. So, yeah, it's whether it be like the stand up's a big part of it, too. Having a place where like I find I love wrestling, but you, it's not necessarily a, every kind of art form has its own set of crayons that you're allowed to paint with within that box of emotions so it's harder to bring out certain emotions within improv or stand-up or wrestling or whatever you know what i mean so i find that like wrestling is really great at getting out your aggression and getting out your quest to be the best and overcoming adversity and stuff like that but talk about making jokes about mental health or depression mm-hmm. stuff like there's not so I needed another outlet to kind of get that piece of me out. So I kind of use art, art and therapy as my, or as my therapy and then try and make money off that at the same time so that people can pay for my therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I've also been involved in like therapy since I was like little, like uh, yeah. I think I was my first therapist when I was seven and I've had more therapists than sexual partners. So uh <laughs> Uh, that's, that's a great joke. That, yeah, it is. Yeah, it never lands as well as it landed with you. So. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I think that the Twelve Kings place is that the only place that you go? I do Twelve Kings for their open mic, and I just because I also kind of like hanging around with some of the people there, oh, like the beautiful people there, right? Beautiful exactly. People. Yeah. Um, and then I also do um, Rossum Comedy downtown. I've done okay. some spots there, and then uh, just kind of other couple other places like i'm doing crummy comedy which is on maine have you done that show yet or been to that one no no it's, i i'm yeah. very i'm very new to this okay mondays it's monday nights but i'd say it's like it's it's intentionally one of like it's an open mic that you sign up for in advance and then i'd suggest you do it because it's like all oh, everyone kind of hanging want everyone to come out so and then you get like three minutes and whoever bombs the hardest that night gets a cupcake so it's supposed oh, to that's be great the, it's supposed to be the worst show in town so uh yeah they're really great duly noted yeah yeah definitely check them out yeah because um 12 kings is known as being like you're supposed to bomb like it's called a dirty room and i yeah. like this is all new to me so a dirty room correct tell me if i'm getting this right i think that's it's new a, to me too i don't know that i'm new too okay yeah well so i was talking to these comedians and they're like yeah it's a dirty room it's a dirty room I'm like what some people like jack off in the back like what like what do you mean they're like no people like they're intentionally hard on you and it's where you work the intention of it or one of the intentions or perhaps one of the utilities is better is that you work on heckling oh okay so if people are talking back it's almost like you, you like don't be don't be too nice like you're supposed to interact with them or that could be one of the caveats interesting interesting yeah at least cool. that's what i picked up but yeah man i i gotta send you a video of the set i did it was it was pretty yeah. funny because it was it was funny because it was like hmm but I, I like trying new things like i know people go there and they, they they're they're trying to like do this they're trying to tighten it up right yeah they're doing the their set but for me, I'm like, I just want to see where I go. I just want to riff. That's cool. That yeah. is, that's fun. Is, is that sure. what you do or do you pre-write your stuff? I think because wrestling, I've got like, that's, I've been doing that for so long that it feels like having a routine is got easier you. for me kind of. And it kind of, that way I can tell the story that I want to tell somewhat. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what, that's kind of what I've been going on. But I also feel that now I've gotten like, 
I've got my three minutes or whatever that works enough or three to five, you know, and then I'm kind of, I want to branch out. Now I feel I've kind of got that and now I need to like branch out stuff and deal with like these things, like be a little bit more present. I feel that I can kind of go in there and just be such an act that I almost feel I'm not connecting with the audience. It's more like a show rather than uh, back and forth kind of with the audience. You know what I mean? And, and that's the goal if, is to have the show have this is for the audience versus just a what back and forth with the audience. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I just want to connect. Like I like I love connecting with people and I'm known for doing like I'm good at that in wrestling. So right. I kind of would like to work on that a little bit more rather than being separated. You know what I mean? Have maybe yeah. some time within my act where I'm interacting with them. Right. Yeah. Marry the, marry the two. Totally. Because I can't yeah. turn off the like over-the-top theater stuff and being like a showman. And, uh, and yeah, that's part of what I, I loved it, man. You're, you're, you're like, uh, I taught my mom how to do push-ups. Does anybody love their mom? And I was like, me, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I, I challenge my mom to your mom. I was like, that's, that was awesome, man. Yeah, like everybody else is like, wrestling. what the hell is going on here? But drew me. I like to bring up my wrestling too. Right. And it's true. I did teach mm-hmm. my mom how to do push-ups. So there you I, go. I, yeah. Well, I, I saw a picture of, of you and her on your, your Instagram. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 like, I, you definitely, Randy definitely told mom how to do a push-up, I believe. For sure. How, how have you, how have you coped with uh, COVID? Because you're a wrestler, you know, you, you, you tell us that you have this energy, this kind of, dare I say, do you like tech nine? No. I don't he's know. A rapper. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he's a yeah. rapper and he sings a song demon. And he says, there's a demon inside of me. I got to kill it. He put an ICP posse or something. Wasn't he at one point or am I yes. wrong? Yeah. He, he's, he's done stuff with them. His, oh. his rap is like, it's like, you know, insane psycho rap is the kind of his thing. But anyways, <laughs> but for him, there you go. He's, that's his therapy is him just doing this rap. He doesn't mean what he says, but anyways, well, in this song, sorry, tangent, but he's like, there's a demon inside of me. Got to kill it. And for you, it's like you got this thing inside of you, and when you perform, you get rid of it. You, you're safe from society. I mean, ultimately, we're all animals, and we're behaving inside of an architectural system, society. No wonder people go, they snap, because it's bullshit. Exactly. It's all bullshit. Exactly, exactly. Right? All of it, yeah. Like, like, that's why, like, you wonder why people do some sexually deviant things. Well, because all day they're like, suit and tying and shit that's why i don't trust them you know (laughs) yeah yeah me neither man i mean you you show me a normal person and i'll tell you somebody who's truly strange yeah exactly yeah there's well there's just something hidden there like uh, and it's sad it's you know what i mean they're not allowed to be at all right i'm gonna quote mark twain a second time he said oh buddy yeah um never trust a person he says, man, never trust a person without a vice. Totally. Yeah. For sure. Like, yeah. Then that's a vice. You know what I mean? Like, then that's like not having a vice is like this weird, like, yeah. because that's, yeah. What? Yeah. And, and, and like you say, vulnerability. And one thing that I'm learning to do sober is to be vulnerable. Yeah, and man, that makes you a dangerous son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. For sure. Are, do you? Are you? Have you ever struggled with like 
substances or anything like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, I had, uh, we could go on forever. I had a WWE contract in 2009 and yeah. I failed their drug test for marijuana. Uh, oh, there's there, they test for that? Yeah, this was like right after like the Benoit and the Guerrero. <laughs> I would never get into the WWE then. Right. Um, so that was that was the time when they were like super strict on everything because they'd had such big things with oh, the yeah, about yeah. deaths and stuff like that. So everything was banned. Um, I think I don't know what the rules are now, but yeah, whatever. Uh, that's what they were at the time. And then so I lost the contract then. So to say that I don't struggle with like marijuana abuse is, I don't know if that would be true. You know what I mean? I think I definitely yeah, have yeah, yeah. marijuana dependency. Um, but that, like, because I've known that from a young age, I've not dabbled in any other drugs. Yeah. Because it was like, oh shit, I like this. I like this too much. <laughs> and if I like anything else this much, that's going to be more trouble than that. It's going to lose me more than a WWE contract. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Well, um, when when did you say you had that WWE? It was 2009. So is that something that you're going to pursue? You're going to continue to pursue? or I, Like, at that time, it was really cool. Like, I basically, I went down for, they, it was just that they had had a tryout. They had to pay for it at the time, fly yourself to Florida. They, they would, like, audition. They would, like, not, like, it was a chosen audition or whatever, but you still had to pay to get in. Um, and then I just went down to like, that's, that's Vince McMahon for you. Exactly. Right. I went down to just learn from the best. Like, I'm like, yeah. this is a cool opportunity. I wasn't looking for a job. They were offering two contracts at the end of the camp, but I was like, if I can just go and like be with, by As that flaw camp. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. So I trained with Natalia and like Tyson kid and, uh, Harry Smith, the David Boy Smith jr. And they were by like counter, like my fellow, people in the dungeon. So like we were mm-hmm. the last class of the dungeon together and then they all got signed to WWE. So all my friends were down there and then I was like, and the dungeon closed down. So I didn't really have anywhere. This is before Lance storm started training in Calgary. So I didn't really have anywhere to go. So this WWE thing popped up and I'm like, cool, I can go learn from them for a weekend or whatever. went down there and then like dusty roads took a liking to me and like promos and stuff like that. And like, was very influential in actually he was the first one to like see the feminine side of me and like encourage that uh, through wrestling where most people were like kind of trying to hide it or mock it. He was like, right. he knew right. that like he himself hyper masculine. I mean the, the, two thousands for sure know, up until 2012, I'd say. Yeah. And even still it's pretty, yeah. it's still WWE, right? Like they still are, it's still yeah. a system. and now it's a like before it was a boys club and now it's a corporate boys club. He, well, yeah, and 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 I'm sorry, but Vince McMahon, he's not. A, I wouldn't say he's a liberal type. No, 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 definitely. He's like, he, yeah. There's a reason that there were two back-to-back WrestleManias held at Trump, Trump, whatever it was in Atlantic yeah. City. Not, and I don't like the term liberal conservative for these things because I actually don't think that's no longer what they embody. They embody something far more sinister. Yep. Well, I would right. say Vince has his liberal sides too. Like he definitely was willing to push the push things. You know what I mean? That, that you would consider not necessarily conservative values. I've seen Vince McMahon walk into a church and go walk up to the ultra altar and then tell 
the altar that he is God, not, you know what I mean, directly at a cross. So that's definitely not your classic <laughs> Republican move. I don't think that's liberal either. I think yeah, I don't know what the fuck that is. That's yeah, the yeah, yeah. what that is. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't, I'm not interested in going there now. Basically, no. but long story short, they're too corporate at the time. I thought it was really cool. I thought it was like, it was like Saturday Night Live where it was like kind of like shirts to corporates now even more so but like there was like room for these kind of animals to play like a circus on television now it feels like it's really a corporate circus on television and a corporate circus feels more carny than a carny carny <laughs> yeah well it's 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 an imitation of itself and yes and bringing up mcmahon or uh sorry mankind mcfoley is that he I might have said this, but then I, I we got cut off. So I might be repeating myself, but he embodied being real in a oh. fake world. Yeah. Well, that's a good like, call, yeah. Think about the symbolism of that for a second. Because yeah. he actually was getting like hit, like when he fell through the ring and his tooth came out or something yeah. like that. Through, like, that wasn't, through his nose, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I think that that's so interesting is that he was real in an artificial world. And like, what a takeaway. So um, last question about the professional wrestling. What do you think about uh, Chris Jericho's Bullet Club? Oh, the what, what thing? The oh, Jericho it's, and like the... In, in Japan, he has his Japanese Oh, yeah, he's with the Bullet Club. Club. So they're like the Bullet Club is an offshoot of... Like they're their own kind of group or whatever in Japan that's been going EC, for a is while. Is it ECW? Is that the name of it? Um, in Japan? There's New Japan. Okay. Yeah. So New Japan's been like a thing for a long time. And then the Bullet Club is almost an offshoot of the NWO. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. like kind of like through the years and through different incarnations. And then Jericho was over there doing some work with them. Um, and and I think it's great to do like cross promotion stuff. I think Jericho like is the fact he's been able to reinvent himself so many times. I heard he can he compare himself to Madonna. And I'm like, that's really good. Like, uh, that's so that's that's legit. He's the right? Madonna of wrestling. Like, so many like new versions of him, and like everyone's been successful in its that, own. That world. land, yeah. that land, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think, it, and like, put Canadian wrestling on the map. Like Jer- Jericho was always like, being from Calgary, people always expected me to be like a Brett guy or like an mm-hmm. Owen guy or something. But I was always actually more drawn to somebody with like Jericho, who was more outlandish and maybe a little bit more theatrical. Yeah, theatrical. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, like, that was kind of what I was drawn to. So, Jericho was definitely like a big inspiration for me when I was younger. And, like, also seeing like him take on tackle things like podcasts and see him take on things like the band and stuff like that, like, very mm-hmm. multi dimensional and not afraid to go out there and try something new and explore like another side of him, which is rad. Well, I think he like the energy. I mean, like, a lot of people, they're afraid of public speaking. Um, but man, I, like, like I said, dude, it's like a drug when you're up there and you're just like, maybe it's a little bit egotistical of me. It's like, these people are actually listening to me. That's hilarious. I know I feel the same thing. (laughs) Right? Like, are they in for a trip? Uh, you know, and, and, but, but then when somebody laughs, whoa, that's another dopamine hit. Cause you're like, wait a minute. Because because I've heard this before, and I know this to be true, is that laughter is like an orgasm. It's like you can't control laughter. You just like yeah. you're like ha! it's like involuntary. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that too. Like 
first I've been having a I've been doing a lot of spit takes lately. Uh, like not being able to control my laughter when I've been drinking. And then I've been thinking I've, about comparing that to an orgasm as well. And uh, like, just like involuntary uh, <laughs> excursion of liquid. Um, so yeah. And that's like, comical too. Cause it's like, <laughs> exactly. Right? right. Now with COVID, you know, they're trying to cancel that. I know. Shit, luckily they've opened at home. So I've just been <laughs> squirting at home. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Squirt daily. Yeah. Um, why, why do kids love wrestling so much? I think because it is like, um, I think it's so natural, right? Like you said, when you would get drunk with your buddies, you want to wrestle, right? Like it's just. And that's when your innateness really comes out when you're drunk. Totally. I think it's just like, like I've seen like, like two brothers or two siblings, doesn't matter what gender they identify or don't identify as yet or whatever, um, rolling around and like, just like that. It's such a, it's so instinctual. I think that like it like draws people in and it across like you don't it's without language you don't need to be told the story with like these complex words or anything like yeah. that you can tell who's like evil and who's representing good and like then, Mr. Like, Bean yeah exactly and it can be exactly no matter where that's why it's popular across the world like if I walk up to somebody and and then with a sad look on my face and then they drop kick me or something, everyone's yeah. going to understand that. Right. And then I get up with a mad look on my face. Then if, like that story's simply told. Right. And so I think that that hooks in children and, and also the bright colors, the fun music, like it's, it's for the child in all of us, I think. So I think that's why it brings out uh, children as well. I, I interviewed this guy and he does podcasts. They're based out of Harlem and and they, they tour around, and I asked him, I was like, why do you still love wrestling? And he said, it's the only part of my childhood that survives. And I was like, wow. that was powerful. Excellent. And I think a lot of us, we let our, our inner child die. Yeah. And the biggest part of any journey is reconnecting with our child again, that inner child. When did you reconnect with your inner child I don't, honestly don't know if I was, I think I've been, I don't think I've ever let it go. I think we've been holding hands the whole time. You know, that like I've been really, up in, I've been doing this, like I started wrestling when I was 17. So like it was yeah. right out of school because I had trouble with school, but then the Hart family helped me graduate high school. So like, right. Like, yeah. Um, like one of them's a teacher. So they was, he was my wrestling coach and like helped me get my social studies finally. So it's been my whole life and I was able to like dedicate it to that. And so I've always been able to have that like childhood wonder and be thinking about like, I wonder what kind of funny pants I want to be wearing or, you know what I mean? What kind of yeah. song I want to come out to or like silly in ring spots or whatever. So I've been fortunate enough. And again, like having the support of my mother and stuff like that to be myself, you know what I mean? Not ever having to let go. Like I've, I've never worked a nine to five like full 40 hour a week job i've never had like and i admire that man yeah like i mean it's it's something that like i kind of am tentative to say but it's mm. the truth you know what i mean i've like when i've had to have jobs i've always had like kind of i've worked at like i've sold fruit i've been you know what i mean i like the closest i ever had to a real job was working at blockbusters when i was like 17 or 18 years old you now know? that sounds pretty cool that you were right, exactly it was dope. Right? um but yeah, like so you're OG if you worked at Star. Uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I was uh, employee of the month three non-consecutive months in a row. Yeah, no. Yeah, pretty boss. I think that was just because there was like four of us, and I was the only one not stealing. 
but that that's yeah, the closest I came to. I've done like some construction work here and there, but like that was never for me. So it's always been able to get by on kind of ridiculousness, and yeah. I'm very fortunate for that. Dude, you you're you're, you're getting by on your dream. Like, yeah. how cool does that sound? You're you're you, you're getting by on your dream. Like, that's. Skin of my teeth, but I, I skin every month. Skin hey. of my teeth, but hey, it works. But look at, but you, but you're happy. Totally, I am. Yeah. Right, and I think that a key, and this is why I started getting into comedy, is I want us to get back to that place of joy in our lives. And when you do that, guess what? You're not an asshole. Exactly. Wow, <laughs> my blown. Right. Yeah. So Randy, we could be happy around other people. Exactly. It's, and it's infectious and it's contagious. And that's why the moment I saw you, man, I was sorry. I keep doing the man thing. The moment I saw you, Randy, I was like, this guy's going to be my friend. This person's going to be my friend. See how impregnated we are with the impregnated. See how conditioned we are to the language that we use. Oh, for sure. It's so hard. Like I say, even for me, like being like, I do identify as like, whatever like i don't i'm non-binary mm-hmm. i would say because i just don't I, I don't even know what it means to be male like personally i honestly as a question i don't know what that means and i also they don't sure. know what it means to be female either i don't know i just know what it means to be me um and i don't know if i'm even that good at that so <laughs> so um but like again like i've raised in calgary so I, I don't want to obviously offend anyone else. So I really work on my language as well. Um, but it's hard. Yeah. And and I think, you know, this is where I might say something that's like, ah, well, I think that in our society, what we struggle with is being too sensitive or like, you know, there's always these contrasts, right? This On this one side, it's being too sensitive. And on the mm-hmm. other side, it's being too senseless. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we really have to walk if we can walk in the middle, that's where the joy is, right? Because if somebody says something and that offends you, the key is to look at your, to try and examine yourself and ask, why does that hurt my feelings? Mm. Right? Not, and it's not something to be ashamed of, but it's to ask ourselves why, because not everybody knows. And if we try to look at the world, the more I, let me speak for myself. The more I try to look at the world as people are just trying to understand and figure it out and survive. Yep. Right. Because some of the richest people in the world, dude, they're fucking miserable. Oh no, definitely. Yeah. Right. They don't smile like you. Yeah. Right. I've met some very successful people and uh, they called me, you know, they're like, Hey, bartender, get over here. You know, it's not like I was sitting hanging out with them. I was serving them. Right. But, um, you talked about the, the, the gender distinctions. And I think, again, it, it goes back to language. I think that there, the Tao, the Tao teaching, I might not be saying that right, but this, this concept of the yin and the yang, or just if we just try to get rid of language and just think in terms of energies, I think that there are two powerful energies in the world, mm-hmm. right? I mean, think about it. There's, there's, there's this idea of a dichotomy down throughout history. Hunter-gatherers. Somebody was hunting, somebody was gathering. Could have been anybody, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. But, but there's this body and mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these, these contrasting pieces, but you can't have them without each other. They, they exist 
in and of each other. Yeah, yeah. So we use words like feminine and masculine to describe these energies, but those are just words. Yeah. Like feminine doesn't mean the, uh, the parts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Masculine doesn't mean you got a big, you know. Yeah, for sure. Right? It's just sure. that's the energy. That That's my take on it. And so something like pansexuality, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I might not be using the right term, but pansexuality makes a lot of sense to me because it's not like I only like women because they have, you know, the parts. Exactly. Yeah. Right? It's just like I'm attracted to the person that I'm attracted to. Totally. Exactly. And like, I appreciate, yeah, like to me, like I, I'll say bisexuality on stage because I feel like I don't have a good comedy bit that goes along with me explaining pansexuality to a crowd sometimes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure whether everybody knows that. Uh, obviously, mm -hmm. I want to be as educational as possible. And I, 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 but that's kind of where I just, I, like I said, I want to, I want, if once I get that bit, then I'll definitely be describing it better that way. But, um, but yeah, I, I find for me, it is just that it's like, I, I I'm attracted to that energy. I'm attracted to mm. the, the, you know, just what that person can bring to me, not necessarily like genitals is so kind of boring. You know what I mean? You can yeah. do lots of, you can do like a handful of really fun stuff with them. And then, <laughs> you know, like then, and then that lasts for an X amount of time. And then what happens around X amount of time that I'm kind of actually more attracted to and more interested in, because that's mm -hmm. more of the time. Yes. Yeah. And that's the per that again, I try to avoid this term, but it's like the essence of the person. Mm -hmm. It's the person you love the person. Exactly. Like people who have been together for X amount of years, uh, it's not because they're, f you know, f a freak in the sheets, although maybe they are, but they're just, they get along like they're friends. They're best friends. Exactly. You want to have a successful, successful relationship, be friends with that person. Why right? wouldn't I want to live with my best friend as opposed to somebody that I just like, oh, I don't know, like their butt. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it's old fast, right? Definitely. Yeah. Um. Well, I, I didn't think we'd end on this, but really it's like, what is the difference between, cause like I was saying, pansexual makes more sense to me, not that it has to make sense to me, but it makes more sense to me than bisexuality does. Mm. What is the difference exactly? I think it's just, I think it's just old language. Like when I okay. first, I, when I first came out, it was bisexual because that was, I think at least what I was taught you know, or what I had heard. And that was yeah. when I was like, very young in high school and nobody gave a fuck uh yeah. and then like i kind of everyone just like looked at me and didn't give a fuck and shrugged and then they're like you're still gonna probably be dating women because you live in calgary or whatever they just didn't see yeah, it as like yeah. they didn't see it as a real sure thing. you are yeah, so exactly. was mick jagger you know. exactly exactly which i mean yeah. yeah who wouldn't be if you look like that right um <laughs> everyone thinks you saw it so um and then like then when i kind of like rediscovered myself more recently and kind of like look deeper into that side of myself it was just that like non-binary people were at that point like where do you put them are you going to say that they're male or female people that are like transitioning you know what i mean are you going to necessarily label them people who don't feel comfortable within the gender spectrum are you yeah not going to be attracted to them so like bisexuality just means like ideally like your standard male and female yeah. gender like gender it just deals with gender norms so i think when you're talking about being someone who doesn't like gender norms, having a term that really is very gender normative is very odd. Mm. So I think that's where the pansexuality just feels more comfortable to most people. But yeah, 
shorthand bisexuality, I think, works easier on a stand-up stage rather than right, right, you know, right. Now, hopefully, not soon, and maybe I'll be able to, like I said, find a way to uh, make that not like. We don't want to lecture when we're on the stage, you know what I mean? Or be no, I know. Although right? sometimes I kind of like to because that's my inner teacher. Hey, then go. Sometimes for it. I like to slap people around and say, "Hey, man, you know, like, hey, person, yeah. let's focus. Let's focus up here, right? Because I think that we can get. I know in my life it's helped me when I kind of like stuck in my head when someone's like, "Hey, psh, psh, totally. snap out of it, right? Yeah. Not not physically, but like, hey, dude." Rob, like, you got to take some perspective here. Yeah. And you're like, oh, thank you. You know, I love and, that. and that, yeah, yeah. But, but, but you, but it can't be somebody on the street. It's somebody who cares about you. That's somebody what somebody who, who loves you. Grow. Somebody who wants to like challenge you and make you a better person. That's like so caring and so thoughtful. And is there for you with the journey for you, not just to say, Hey, you should do this, blah, blah, blah. And then yes. off. someone who's there to help you and teach you or like, wants to they like, help grow with you right yeah and that's true friendship yeah right? for sure when you're growing with people you're not just like hey let's get hammered like let's let's progress our lives here totally oh that's why i'm glad uh, i can call you my friend now randy so, definitely you know you, you, you've, you've been an incredible encouragement uh last question for you and then hopefully we can do this again for sure i had a hell of a good time awesome man. yeah um, i think we got lots more to talk about Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it can go on. I, I try to be mindful of the listener, right? Because totally, like, holy sure. shit, they spoke for 14 hours. Um, yeah. But if you could, if for the listeners at home, whatever age they may be, chances are they're looking for a key to help them understand something in life or unlock a door that they think is locked. What is a key that you can offer somebody listening? Key of advice or anything i think that like we look too far too often we look outside of ourselves for the answers when they're right inside of ourselves and if we can get stuff out of our own way and listen to our true instinct in our heart i don't think humans are bad people you know or are bad to this universe i think we get a lot of clutter in our way but i think we can get that clutter out of the way there's a pretty special person inside of everybody and being that unique, authentic self is like so enriching to the stew that is the world, right? Like, I think if we're all, if the world is a potluck and everyone brings the same jello mold, it's awfully boring. But if everyone brings like their authentic self and what they do best, then that's going to be a hell of a picnic and we can all <laughs> celebrate together. Beautiful answer. Randy, thank you so much. It well, has so much. been an absolute pleasure. Oh, sorry. Okay. Sort of like a footnote at the end of a story, but sure. you, you talked about the Hart family. Just for listeners, this is like Bret Hart family that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, the, like the dungeon where he trained and like, yeah. yeah, like the number, I'd say it's like the Harvard of wrestling schools as far as Canada at least is concerned uh, and the world. I'll put it out there. I'll, I'll ah. it. Right, they're the best. Um, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to train with them. The best. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I, I got to come out and see you. I, my buddy, Bobby, Trust me, he's going to love this one. He's going to listen to this. Um, but I, I, I want to bring him out to come see a match of yours because he would love it. Awesome. Well, hello, Bobby. I definitely want you to come watch me wrestle. Yeah, that's what we call it. We call it wrestling. Well, that's what it is. <laughs> Thank you again. Take care, Fred. 
Thank you again for listening. I'm Robert Grant, and I'm probably wrong about everything.